0: Thirteen three thirteen Ruchim habaim Whoops Shem Hashem Peraknuhem Ives Hashem Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share Special Edition tonight as we come to the end of Bay's Nissan milestone in Chabad. We begin this week to read the new Torah portion, the new book of Leviticus, Vayikra, the third book of the Torah, but more than being the third book, it is the middle Sefer of the five, Um, for those of you that grew up as a sandwich child, you'll know what being middle is. But then again, you hear complaints from the oldest child, you hear complaints from a youngest child, you hear complaints from the sandwich child. they're always complaining. Baruch Hashem. They're never born in the right time, in the right position, in the right place. Chumash Vayikra is known also as Teiraz Kehanim, And we've spoken at length in previous shirim about that. The most common Maymech which is usually the first maimer that an average boy learns in Chassidus Chabad begins with with the title Adam Kiyakriv Mikem, a person that will sacrifice from you amongst you. And of course the mainstay question is the wording is incorrect if it wants to tell us about a person bringing a sacrifice, a Jewish person bringing a sacrifice, it should rather say, Adam, Mikem, Kiakriv. To which, of course, the Rebbe elaborates and many, many Memorah Hasid thereafter from many different Nesim, Rabbeim, That Adam, Kiyakriv Mikem, a person that sacrifices from oneself. But Rashi also is bothered by this, obviously by the wording of the word Mikem. And since Rashi says, as we know, mikra. I come to explain the simple pasuk, what the simple explanation of the pasuk is. And for you, my Bekhomish the Mikra, my five year old that's learning Chumash, And this is quizzical to you, this is befuddling, this is bewildering to you. Says Rashi is Nidava the reason that it says Adam Kiyakriv mi kem from you rather than just Adam Kiyakriv is because this is referring to Karbanais of donation. We have to understand this. First of all, if it's talking about Nedava, why does the Pasuk have to add the word Mikem? What does that have to do with it? Mikem meaning the Jews. Being that the commandment is being spoken to the Jews, therefore when you say Adam Adam Kiyakir, Mikem obviously is referring to the Jewish nation. So Rashi, therefore, is translating the word mikem to teach us that this is referring to tataras nid Kabanas nidava, sacrifices of donation. That makes no sense. Because we know clearly the Gemara tells us in khulindaf yudgim alam 13, side 2, for those that are keeping store at home. The Gimara tells us that non-Jews can also bring sacrifices for an Adava. They also make donations. Now let us not be confused with what the Rebbe writes in the Tanya. Chesed le'umim chatos. A very profound statement the Altarebbe writes, which ultimately cost the Altarebbe very, very, very many hardships, including his time in jail. Had he been willing to omit this line, this would be one of the things that would have taken him immediately out of prison. But the Alt-Rebbe remains steadfast to use the word chesed -um le'umim chatos, that the chesed, the kindness done by a non-Jew is a sin. Now ultimately it's gone on to explain what does that mean. It means simply everyone has to be repaid for their goodness and for their kindness. Everyone, regardless who you are, what color, breed or Race. If you do a good deed and a kind deed, you deserve to be repaid for it. Does not go Sorry. Does not go unpunished. No good deed goes unpunished. Correct. And therefore, the truth is that we don't want to have to have. We deal with Eilam We deal with the world to come. It says the Tera that a Jew has a world to come, and the non-Jew is repaid on this world, and therefore the Jew being paid in the world to come, he can do his Torah, he learned his Torah, do his mitzvahs. Masha'ainkin the non-Jew, we ask if he did a mitzvah, if he does a chesed, a kindness, he has to be repaid ultimately. And to repay him, it causes a little bit of confusion. Hence the problem. But the ultimate is, halakhically, a non Jew may bring a karm khatus. If a non-Jew may bring a, excuse me, a karbonid a donation. And Rashi explains later in Chumash Vayikra, in Pashas Emor, nemar Ish Ish, therefore it says the words, Ish Ish, to add, to tell us also, the non-Jew that gives the donation. The non-Jew that brings the karbonid and the is by the Jews. Just like the Jews. So if the non-Jew can bring a Nidava, why in that case is Rashi telling us that the Nidava is referred to from the word Mikem, meaning that the Jews are the ones that only can give the Nidava. Simply explaining this, a few psukim later, the Torah finishes off when it refers to these very karbanos. The Torah finishes off with a statement, Ishei reach ni l'ashem. The fumes, the fires, the flames, the burnings, that consume the sacrifice, <coughs> excuse me, are a reach are a pleasing scent to the Almighty. Which means it gives nachas ruach, it gives a pleasure to the Almighty. The Almighty says, nachas ruach lefonai. I said it should be done, and my will was done. And therefore, the Almighty is happy and satisfied. However, this refers only to the sacrifices brought by the Jew. Only they are doing only they are doing what the Almighty has commanded. The non-Jew that brings a karb and a it's nice of them to do it. I'll take back the word asheikh and we'll see later why. It's nice and thank you for doing so. And if you want to bring a donation into the yeshiva, you may do so as well. It's nice of you. But know it, clearly, this is not what gives the Almighty the pleasure. And therefore, when it says here, ki mikem, It means only from the Jew. Because here it's talking about, <coughs> A scent that ultimately will derive pleasure, the Almighty can derive pleasure from it. And that is only from that of the Jew. Later when it says in Emir Ish Ish, and as we learn that Rashi says, this comes to add the Goyim, it does not say in that place, L'Rech Nichoyach. And we learn from there, although it is permissible for a non-Jew to bring a sacrifice, it does not cause the nachasruach lefonai she'emarti and tzayni. That I said it and it should be done. Let us get a little bit down to earth here. We just said that the scent of a sacrifice I don't know if you ever really got into the burning of meat and smell. It's not exactly the most pleasant of smells sometimes. And the fats and the this, it's just not. But this is a pleasure to the Almighty. (sighs) You give pleasure to the King... When you give a pleasure to the Prime Minister, when you give pleasure to a President, you buy them a nice gift or something, it's understood. The expression makes sense. A human being can derive pleasure from something. We tend to sometimes depict the Almighty in a physical form. When it says the Almighty sits on His throne for judgment and goes over from this throne to the one of kindness, etc. We can almost depict in our mind's eye the Almighty picking Himself up physically from a physical chair and going to another as a king would do. My dear friends, although there is room in the mind's eye to perhaps interpret this physically, the Almighty is not physical. The Almighty or the Omnipresence is something that our mind, our eye, our thoughts, our hearts cannot see. And yet, we must love the Almighty, and we must fear the Almighty, without seeing, hearing, or touching. In the time of the Badiqeva, the Badiqeva, there was a burial society as there is in every Jewish community known as the Chabra Kadisha they referred to as the holy people the Chabra Kadisha usually would come to a person's deathbed the family would beckon the Khevak Hadisha, and the Khevak Hadisha would come to his bedside, and they would <coughs> read him his rights. They would say, Vidae with the person. They would tell the person where they're going. They would give the person their send off from the world. In the time of the Vitra the holy Berdichev was the head of the Khirikadisha in Berdichev And here a chosid was lying on his deathbed. And the Barditchever was standing with the other Khsidim. And the Barditchever saw, as everyone else did, that the man lying on his deathbed was crying. There were tears streaming down his face. And then the Badich said Reb why do you cry? Look around you. The minion of the Khevri Khadisha. Your beautiful family that you raised. You didn't you're not dying young, you're actually a ripe age. Why do you cry? Why would you shed tears? And he said, Rebbe, I have no regrets, but one. I know, Rebbe, that it says, "Ashrei Misha Bolakan v'Talmudi Bi'Adi." How great it is! for the one that comes here in the world to come and all his learning is in his hand the person as they pass away it's the ultimate goal of a person for 70, 80 years the neshama wears and tears and does what it has to do on this world As the soul returns, that is the ultimate goal—that the soul should return to its maker. So that's the case. Why he says says the Badishev, Why are you so sad? And the man said, Rebbe, please understand. I am going above, I have no terror in my hand. I have no terror knowledge, yes granted I have mitzvahs, but the actual terror knowledge, I have nothing to present. What will become of me? The Badiqeva turned to him and said, Don't worry. Don't worry. Are you concerned that you don't have a world to come? Yes. He said, Yes, Rebbe. He said, I write you, I will bequeath to you my entire portion of the world to come. Will that do anything for you? No. He said, Of course, Rebbe. But why, how, when, where? How is that possible? And immediately the Badit requested a pen and paper and he wrote in front of his students that I, Levi Yitzchak ben Sada, are giving, and he asked the man his name, his full name and his mother's name, my entire Elam Haba, my entire world to come. Everybody signed it. And the Valdisheva gave it to the man in his hand. Had the man had any strength, he would have jumped up and danced for joy. such a gift from the Valdisheva himself. But with this, with his last breaths, his last moments of enjoyment in life, he smiled, closed his eyes, and returned his Holy Soul to the Maker. Another similar story to this is Elihanavi the prophet Elijah would come to visit a certain Jew, Rabbezer, and he would study Torah with him. However, of so an yeah. of you. <laughs> one day I am ready to give you and to disclose to you the greatest secrets of Torah I am prepared to disclose to you the day of Mashiach's coming, the date which Mashiach will arrive. Needless to say, I was ecstatic. There's one condition, one simple stipulation. I need for you to tell me what you did, what deed did you do on the day of your Bar Mitzvah. Because apparently, you did something on the day of your bar mitzvah that turned the heavens upside down. The heavens are just in turmoil. The deed that you did by your bar mitzvah, however, nobody knows what it was. And Rebel smiled it says what I did on the day of my B'mitzvah is my secret I am not going to disclose this I did it for myself And Eliezer again tried to implore, tried to beg and plead. He would teach him and give him and disclose to him. But no matter what he offered, Eliezer would not renege. Eliezer would not give up the secret what he did by his B'mitzvah day. And so the Yohan told him, a great reward awaits you. And since you are not accepting this reward, which is the secrets of Therah, I will give you a more precious reward. You will have a very, very special child, a very holy soul, and that child was known to the world as Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov. We see from these two stories a tremendous nachas pl- a pleasure, was given to the Almighty. Whether it be the Baal Shem Tov being born to the Rebbelezer. Whether it be the Badichiva giving away his entire world to come, it caused a tremendous, tremendous pleasure to the Almighty God. So we see therefore we have the potential. What we do because Shell Marty and because the Almighty said to do it, and we did it, therefore we are rewarded with the fact that we are giving the Almighty pleasure. Tonight, as we said before, is the end of Bay's year. On Bay's ear the sun set and the sun rose. On Bay's ear, the Rebbe Rashab, the father of the previous Chabad Rebbe passed away. And being that the Rebbe Rayatz, the Filiq Rebbe, was an only child, there was no question that he then becomes the Rebbe. And therefore is on Bay's ear that the Rebbe Rashab was nostalgic. But it's also on Bay's ear that the Friedrich Rebbe became Rebbe. The Friedrich Rebbe spent his last ten years in this world, here in America. And his son-in-law, who was formerly known as the Ramash, which is ultimately known to us as the Rebbe, although was not the Rebbe at the time still displayed tremendous, tremendous spirituality greatness to such a level and extent that people were able to recognize there were several stipulations that the previous Rebbe put in order for the Rebbe to marry his daughter. Can't do that. Amongst the stipulations was to fabreng with the Chassidim. And since the Rebbe would fabreng with the Chassidim, the Rebbe had imparted messages to the Chassidim. He came just in the right time over there. Welcome. Oh fresca! Yeah, he's got fresca because he doesn't have coffee. He's gonna go to a coffee shop and have coffee instead. But he came home with fresca. Um. So the Rebbe was sitting in Fabbreging with a few chassidim, twenty chassidim, on a Shabbos afternoon. And as the Rebbe was Fabbreging, he told them, "There's a world out there." There are Jews that are not even aware that they're Jewish. They don't know what a mitzvah is. We have to reach out to them, and we have to see to it that they begin to do mitzvahs, and practice Torah. The Hasidim that he was talking to were totally befuddled to go out and talk to people, I go over What try I say, uh, excuse me, are you Jewish? Are you Jews? The Rebbe said, yes. Me? Yes. And the Rebbe said, watch, let's go. And here it is, Shabbos afternoon, and the Rebbe with an entourage of 15, 20 walks out on the street, the busy street, People were bustling, hustling and bustling. And there goes a woman with a bunch of shopping bags. And the rabbi says to her, Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me for interrupting you, disturbing you. I hope you don't find it prudent. But are you Jewish? No. And she says, as a matter of fact, yes. And the Rebbe says to her, Today is Shabbos, do you know that? She says, I know of Shabbos. I am not from a religious family, and we don't keep anything like this, but I know of Shabbos. Do you know, says the Rebbe, that on Shabbos we're not allowed to carry? She says, I remember hearing such a thing. So the Rebbe said if you keep Shabbos it will protect not only you but your entire family. She didn't, she says, but it's not practical. After all, what should I do with my bags? The Rebbe told her put your bags down right here I will stand here with my friends and we will watch the bags till after Shabbos. And after Shabbos, you can come back and get them. It's safe with us. Your bags, your purse, it'll all be safe. <coughs> she says, But I don't even know you. He says, I, imagine, I understand that. But please trust me, it'll protect you and your family. The Rebbe showed him showed the woman the shul, said, You see that building, that's the shul, the synagogue? Right there on the first floor is an office. Come in tonight after nightfall, and your bags will be there for you. Somehow, for some reason, the woman was so impressed by the sincerity of the Rebbe. that she put down the bags, she put down her purse, and she left it with it ever. And she was determined to go keep Shabbos today. On Matzah Shabbos, she came and picked up her bags. A week or so later, excuse me, excuse me. While she was talking to the Rebbe, she said, you mentioned that it will protect me and my family. The Rebbe said, yes. She asked, I have a son in Germany in the war. He's working, he's serving in the new U.S. Army. And in the enemy lines in Germany. <coughs> would this protect him as well? And she, he said, yes, I'm sure... He'll be safe as is, but he'll be even safer if you keep Shabbos. And the woman said, okay. She picked up her bags, and about a week or so later, she came back to the shul. And she came to the office and she said, where is that rabbi? I must see him. and they went they called the Rebbe who at the time was not the Rebbe yet and she said to the Rebbe I must tell you I received a letter from Germany and my son wrote as follows my dearest mom only through tremendous miracles am I still alive today and he proceeded to write that yesterday, last, excuse me. Yesterday he sent the letter on the Sunday, the day before was on Shabbos. He had gone out on a mission with his platoon to a place that was supposed to have been totally void of the enemy. There were supposed to be no Germans there. But yet when they got there, they were ambushed. And they were being bombed and shelled and from all sides. He says, Mom. And he enumerates the friends that he was with in the army. This one and this one and that one, I saw them getting blown away. I saw them dying in front of my hands. (coughs) But come what may, nothing hit me. The bullets were just going past me. The bombs were landing away from me. I am the only survivor from our platoon. The reinforcements showed up and saved me and drove away the enemy. But I am the sole survivor from the entire group. And she said that it's exactly like you said. I kept Shabbos and my son was protected. And so therefore, from there on, she became Shemesh Shabbos. So we see therefore, that when one sacrifices from themselves, it causes a tremendous ruach to the to an extent that here on this end of one end of the world to the other end of the world, we can help, we can protect, and we can save a fellow Jew. <laughs> and the Possig says. I lost. Yes. No, you won. Lost. No, you won. <laughs> you lost a long time ago, wasn't I think. I know. Ashenosi Yechte. A sin, being that the Pasha is talking about sacrifices, karbonais. Ashenosi Yechte, the nasi that will sin. And again, Rashi comes and tells us. Rashi comes and tells us, "Asher," the word "Asher" loshen Ashrei, praiseworthy. And Rashi continues, "Ashrei praiseworthy is it to the generation. That the Nasi, the leader, he pays attention to bring kapara, al shigigasai, on the things that he does by accident. Kal the so much more so, al on what he does on purpose. Who are we talking about? The Nasi. So first of all, why is Rashi telling us Ashrei? How great it is for us. It only has to do with the Nasi. And if he gives attention to bring Kapara for his Shigegh, why is it not talking about the Kayan Hamashiach that the Pasuk is talking about before this. Why is it talking about the Nasi? And we can explain this very simply, Sidapan. Ashley Hadir how great it is for the generation. This talks about a generation that nobody did any sin. Not by shaking, not by mazes. Not by accident, not on purpose. Only then can we say, Ashrayim. Because they have no sins. That's why I retracted before when I said Ashrayim. If that's the case, we cannot say, ashray hader, how great it is for the generation. When it comes to the kohen of Mashiach, because the Tafkid, of the Kayin HaMashiach is L'chaper Aleyem Uluspal bAdam. What is the Kayin HaMashiach's mission? What is his job? His job is to forgive them, to daven for them. To bring forgiveness upon them. And therefore when the Kayin HaMashiach brings kaparah on his Shegeig, when he brings Kapora on what he did by accident, this itself causes directly that the Jews should give pay attention and they should bring karbanes for their shagak to for their forgiveness of the sins they did accidentally. But not to teach them this does not give them a lesson how to refrain from sinning. The Kayin was an example, he was exemplary. And leading example and playing example to teach the Jews how to get forgiveness for the sin, but it doesn't teach them how to not sin. But when it comes to a nasi, the head of the nation, and a nasi lay the nasi pays attention to bring kapod on His shigig. It's not only because he feels how great the kapara is, the forgiveness is, like the Kayan did. Because that's not what the Nasi is all about. The Nasi isn't in the spiritual realm of the Kain HaMashiach. His union is to rule the people. <coughs> to be the leader of the nation. etc. So the fact that he brings a carbon, and not only he brings a sacrifice, but he does it with full intent, it's because he knows how great it is that he did a sin. What the gravity of it is. Even if it was by accident. And therefore he wants to be forgiven for this sin. And only this causes the people to feel the same. To feel the same to a level that they realize how bad a sin is for them. And therefore they will refrain even from the smallest accidental sin. And this thereby is asheh. How wonderful it is for that generation. And we see it later in another Pasukh. if if one person sins by accident he brings his (coughs) karbin the asham is not brought from zichrei kvasim and there is no chatos that is brought from rekevis the asham was brought by accident you did a sin you brought an osham the chatos is for maizid and there is no chatos that was brought From a female, the reason of this whole thing is the carbon, the sacrifice forgives us for the sin. We find many explanations how this works. The Ramban explains. The person thinks into it. About all he just did, how he sinned to the Almighty with his soul and his body, and he takes it to such an extent that it's prepared to spill blood for this. And by spilling blood of the sacrifice, it's an exchange for him. So we find, therefore, the reason that the person felt that he had to go and destroy this other existing animal so that he feels, because he felt within himself, the inequity that he just suffered, the wrong that he had done. The word carbon also comes from the word karav, kirov, to bring closer. And therefore the real idea, the bottom line of the carbon, that the person brings a carbon, they bring themselves closer to the Almighty. And a person has to concentrate on this. That this fact that he sinned, this fact that something was wrong here, is because of his Sahara. In all due honesty, a person only wants to be close to God. Only wants to do God's will. But by thinking into it, he realizes what he did, and he wants to repent for it. So, in essence, there's two reasons: the realizing and the idea of the fact that the person is separated. And therefore, we say the first reason of the main thing, the karm asham, and the second is the karm chatos, the khatas that comes. Sorry, I mixed this up. Chathat comes only on a Shegeg. gig. in the ashram that comes from something more severe. And it comes also on Amazit. Therefore we could perhaps say that for the Shegeg it's enough that a person thinks and says, oops, I made a mistake, I got to rectify it. And I have to do better. It doesn't depress the person, though. The person knows, I have to do better. Therefore, we have no khatas only in a keiva, because the is a is enough in a soft way. Speak softly to them. when it comes to the mazid, the, since the eight of the person came with strength to make the person do the sin, it's not enough, the simple, the keva, the laka, the person needs to bring a zahar. And if Pesach, the seder should be ready when the man comes home from shul. As the man enters from shul, everything that has to go on his kaida should be on the table. Obviously the matzah won't be on the table because people are worried, concerned the matzah shouldn't get wet. So it's kept separate until the man is actually making his kaida. The kaida. The kaida itself consists of three matzahs. The Kayin, the Levi, and the Yisrael. Now, some would want to put it in any random order. They don't concentrate. Should I put it this way? Should I put it that way? By putting Yisrael, Levi, and Kayin, the Yisrael first, the Levi second, the Kayin third, it's an acronym for the word Yelech. To go. To go. But we put in first the Kohain and the Levi and the Yisrael, which is an acronym to the word Kli, a vessel. And the matzahs that are in the Kaida, in the Kaida, Kera. should be slightly rounded. They should look somewhat like a vessel. About that. Obviously, it could be flat. The matzahs mitzvah that are baked are baked Arab Pesach after chatzahs. After noontime on the eve of Passover, there are special matzahs that are baked. They're so special the matzah bakery charges $7 a single matzah. Oh my god. Mine too. Oh my. They make (laughs) footsteps? And. (laughs) Call (laughs) them so there are many people that buy it and they use it only for the levy, which ultimately is used for the Afi Oh! There are different customs when it comes to the Seder as far as our garb is concerned. In the Polish circles the man comes home from Shul and he puts on a kittle the white kittel that one wears on Yom Kippur he wears by the Seder signifying the holy high level of the Seder night. Chabad does not do that. The custom of Chabad is only to wear a kittel once a year. Therefore, the Yom Kippur is the day we wear it. A Chatan that gets married that year, the first year they do not wear their Kittel on Yom Kippur because they are already wore it by the chuppah. I didn't get a kittle. You didn't get a kittle, huh? No. Deprivation, it's terrible. Damn sure. Sh- so okay, you didn't get a Gartel either. I don't need it. I told her I don't need a Gartel. Shame on you. Do actually? <laughs> Why? You shouldn't. You should had this for the belt instead no no no, no not to What you need to separate from your heart you need a garden <laughs> um, oh that was cold I'll give you one I don't know the word I look like Albert, <laughs> like Albert, Alvin uh, Alvin Chickmark where where we uh, the can I see the good of them Simania Simania. the Seder the Simonia and Kaira okay, have to be announced as you put them on. Each one as it's put on, we announce it. The entire union of the Seder is Kana, so that the child should ask. We constantly do things throughout the Seder so the children should ask, and should question (coughs) what is going on. The famous Seder story, which you tell, is Ivan the guy. Ivan was talking to another guy, and they said, "Tonight is Pesach. Oh, I know so. Tonight is the Seder. Get yourself invited. Put on a yarmulke. Doesn't of a difference. Get yourself invited to a Seder. You'll have a blast." No. Ivan gets himself invited to a Seder and he comes inside and no, we're ready to eat? No, we're not ready to eat. The matzas are sitting there, oh they look so good. But they're being put into the shelves in the chaise. And then there's an egg and there's a this and that, it's all being put on top. Oh, they fill up the caps of wine. Ah, now you're talking and they fill up his cup of wine everybody holds it and he picks up his wine about to drink it he says wait, 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 wait you got to make kiddush Oy. these guys are crazy he's holding the cup everybody else is holding it and they're making kiddush together and finally they sit down to drink the wine Ivan takes his cup he's about to swallow it they say wait, wait, wait you have to lean over lean over and drink, he's trying to lean over, he's spilling it, it's a catastrophe. First cup done, Karpas. Karpas, we know, is less than a kezayis, less than the size of an olive. Either potato or onion. Or celery. Or celery. When we eat Karpas, the halakha is, we make a bracha, since we do not eat a kezayis, we have in mind later when we're going to eat the murder, we make a bracha alachilas murder, but we do not make a bracha piadoma, And the reason being because we have in mind when we eat the karpas the murder. The Karpas is less than a kizayas so he sees this beautiful tray of potatoes coming out and the salt water and he's all excited to going to eat and they stand up and they give him each a small little piece of potato They say, you guys are crazy I can't get full from this he said soon and they give him this piece of potato and it didn't even wet his appetite then they start to read they fill the cup up again he gets excited not yet. Yes. And they start to read. They open the door. They open. They stand up and open, and they say, "Hey, Lakhamanya." They lift up the kaita. They, oh, they're taking the bread? No, they're not taking the bread. And they put it down again, and they start again the reading, and they're reading and they're explaining, and they're talking. And Ivan is choking. He's so hungry. Help the there They come. And they drink the second cup of wine. They lean over again, and now they wash. Okay, it washes hands. Eh? And they start eating matzah. Matzah, when you're used to eating bread, matzah is not your ideal exchange. And he starts eating this dry matzah. And they tell him, no, eat, 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 you got to eat a kazayas. Because when you wash and you eat your matzah, you have to eat a full kazayas, Which is approximately a little more, <coughs> approximately the size of two-thirds of a matzah. So he has to eat a whole Kazayas the first time. You're not allowed to talk oh, until okay. you reach a kezayas. And he's choking here because the kezayas is in his mouth. He wants a drink of water. He said, no, 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 no water. And then comes the next part of the Seder. Mutter. And they hand him this piece of horseradish and they dip it in the kareses and they say, okay, Ivan, let's go. And everybody makes the bracha and achilles mutter. And everybody bites into it, and they start crying and bitter. He even bites into it, and he was not prepared for this. And he starts to choke, and to scream, and to yell. He picks himself up, he turns over his table, he says, you guys are crazy! This is called a seder! This is called food! This is called a... You're all And he runs out of the seder. Oh, dear, the next day he meets his friend. Oh, he meets him that, that's it and he says to Meshigar, you know what, to Anamaday... He says, what happened? You didn't enjoy it? He says, enjoy it! They sat me down, they knocked me over, they stood me up, they knocked me down, they put me this way, put me that way. They gave me a little bite to eat, the little, then they gave me this dry bread, rat wafers to eat, and then finally they gave me this mud, I was burning to death, and I was going to die, and I ran out already. Says, ah, you genius, you would have waited another five minutes. You would have had the meal. The example also is we are sitting in Golis. And it's bitter. It's dry. We're getting knocked down. We're getting pushed up. We're getting pulled this way, pulled that way. We, that we way. don't know what it's all about anymore. Hold on. Hold on that minute longer. Hold on. Because in that minute longer, we're going to have the meal. The Suda with Melech HaMashiach. No, no, no. The Shurabor and the Vyassan. And we're going to merit with the schools of this day, of Bay's ear, of the stalkers of the Filik Rebbe, and the birth of the, of the Rebbe shab, and the beginning of the Nesiyahs of the Filik Rebbe, that will go on from this holy, special day, auspicious day, to the most auspicious and holy day of Gerula Hamitnes Vashlema, Mashiach And this very Shabbos we will spend in Yerushalayim and Akedesh. This very Shabbos we will merit to see great revelations and in Yetz Hashem we will merit to have the Parah Duma so that we will be ready on Pesach to Nechal Shom Min Azvokim and we will eat the carbon pesach together on Har Abayas. and you with my group. Remember, Shabbat Shalom to all. Right, <laughs> less than twenty-five so, dollars.